Welcome to Dream, Declare, Deliver with your host, Chris Gorell. Join us each week as we explore how to live a life by design by applying the tools and techniques of emotional intelligence and personal transformation. Here's Chris. Well, hello again, everyone, and welcome to Dream, Declare, Deliver. I'm your host, Chris Gorell, and also um, author of not only Typhoon Honey, which was what we started with on, on Dream, Declare, Deliver, but also a new release is coming out in just a few weeks called Learning to Feel. It's a book on emotional intelligence. And today I want to talk a little bit about emotional intelligence inside the confines of a relationship. Perhaps the the most uh, fertile testing ground and, and proving ground of our emotional intelligence is in the, an intimate relationship with a loved one. We often get to a place where we take for granted that other person we take for granted who they are, how they're feeling. You know, we kind of get used to their patterns and, and fall into a rut. And as a result, we don't, we, we don't often, um, use our finest skills. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Sometimes, you know, we get in trouble. Um, and I'll speak personally. Sometimes I can get in, in trouble just because I'm not listening completely, not to just what's said, but how it's said. Um, emotional intelligence often is more about listening to the why behind the what than the what is said. You know, yes, you have to get the content, of course. And, and yes, you want to listen to what your spouse or your, um, your significant other is saying, you know, from a content perspective. But if we get too literal about that and don't really listen to the feelings, um, that are used in delivering that message or at what I call the why behind the what is being delivered. Um, why are they saying that to you? Why are they asking that question? Why are they um, interested or disinterested or upset or not upset, you know, or just blase? Why? What's going on inside that? Emotional intelligence is that skill that allows us to listen into the fullness of the communication. And I, I was in a conversation yesterday with a couple of friends of mine, and we were talking about, you know, how this extends into relationships when the relationships are between two people who aren't from the same background, um, who, you know, whose lived experiences are completely different. Um, and, and there are a number of them. The one of the uh, people I was talking to is, um, it's an American, um, uh, descendant from, uh, a, a Puerto Rican Hispanic family, but married to a Brazilian, um, who he met when he was in Brazil. So, um, not a Brazilian that was in the United States. He actually met her down there, fell in love down there, uh, went back many times to court her, um, uh, eventually brought her here. Uh, and, and in the process of her assimilating into this culture, she had to learn an entire new language, an entirely new culture, um, a, you know, a way of being. She had to find a job. She had to get, you know, career training in something that would work in the United States, um, as opposed to what she was doing, you know, back in Brazil. Um, 
What was interesting, though, in our conversation was that then he in turn turned around and immersed himself in Brazilian culture. He learned Portuguese. Um, he and his wife and their kids go back regularly to, to, uh, to, um, Brazil to immerse themselves in, in, in the families that are there in the, in the neighborhood and, and become Brazilian. Um, and, and his greatest compliment that he ever received recently was somebody from Brazil said, you know, you sound and act just like a Brazilian. Um, and he felt like he had accomplished something. What he had accomplished, though, was he had he had listened to his his wife about how she had done all this for him. You know, how she had come to his country, um, learned his language, um, immersed herself in, in this culture, um, and it adapted that. And it suddenly occurred to him that that was something that was really important for him to do as well. Uh, so it wasn't communicated ever, you know, that she was saying, you should do this, but rather he was listening to what was there. Now, in doing that, when we have two different cultures, two different religions, two different um, ethnic backgrounds um, in our relationships, it, it's often confusing to try to understand them on face value. Uh, they don't translate. A lot of languages have, you know, and, and cultures have different emotions than we Americans do. And we Americans have often different emotions and different um ways of describing them than other cultures do. Uh, and I, I've often talked about and have had on, on this show, uh, my business partner and dear friend, Yuka Nakasoni, who is Japanese. Uh, and, and we talk a lot about how, you know, that culture is so different in terms of their understanding of emotional intelligence. Um, in Japan is expected that you read between the lines, that you read the, the atmosphere, what's surrounding the communication and not just what the person has said. You're expected to understand the nuances underneath that. It's part of their culture. Um, and so they don't talk about their emotions simply because you should understand, you know, it's expected that the other person hears, feels, and understands what's going on in in you um, as you are talking with them. Um, that's just one culture. And there are hundreds and hundreds of cultures around uh, around the globe that operate differently than ours. So when we are in a relationship with one of those other cultures, you know, when we are in relationship with somebody with a different background, um, a different skin color, you know, our lived experience is not the, their lived experience. And so we need to really listen deeply to their, what I call lived experience, what their, what their experience is. Um, long ago and far away, you know, before the buffalo crossed the, the plains. No, seriously, when I was a young, a young man in, in college, um, my freshman year, there was a guy in our dorm suite um, who was an African-American from, you know, just outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. We were at Penn State and his name was Tom and I wanted to be his friend. You know, I grew up in an area that was all, you know, Germanic descendants, you know, all kind of very white people in 
probably three counties in every direction, there were no people of color. Um, and so it was, it, it, you know, it was fascinating to me. And I wanted to, I wanted to become friends with this guy. And he kept saying to me, don't Uncle Tom me. Stop it. Quit Uncle Tomming me. And I go like, I don't understand in the context of what we're doing, what you mean by Uncle Tom. He said, you want to be my friend just so that you can say that you have an African-American friend. And I don't want to do that. If you want to be my friend, you get to feel and experience what it was like to live my experience. Being a big black man in Pittsburgh, you know, is different than what you grew up with. And you know nothing of that. So I sat down and I listened, you know, and I said, teach me, you know, if I listen and understand and, and really get to know your lived experience of what it means to be walking down the street and, you know, from two blocks away, be judged for who I am or who you are, you know, as, as a big black man, he was a football player. Um, you know, if, if, you know, if that's your experience, what must that be like? How does that taint what you see as opportunities, what you experience uh, in the world? How does the, the neighborhood that you grew up in affect you? And I had to sit and learn that if I wanted to be his friend. You know, we did. I mean, he was a great teacher. Um, we were both, you know, kids, but, you know, he was a mentor, um, if ever there was one and, and helped me understand something that I had no experience and no understanding of. That's a piece of emotional intelligence, learning another person's lived experience. Now, I have for the past 35 years, 30 some years, <laughs> been married to a woman who grew up in a Jewish culture um, and grew up in New York City. You know, so there are two things about that. One is, um, you know, the, that culture, um, uh, learn to question everything. You know, part of the Jewish tradition is questioning. And, and, and the joke is often they answer a question with a question. You know, so it's always questioning everything. So when I was first in relationship with Sarah, you know, it, it was, uh, it was kind of difficult for me to understand why she was always asking questions. Um, you know, when I first introduced her to my friends, a friend of mine who's a, a psychologist, you know, said, your, your wife is amazing. She said, I, I wasn't even talking with her for five minutes and we were already talking about intimate details of, of our, uh, of our lives and, and our, our girl parts and all kinds of stuff. She said, she has me talking about everything. And I said, yeah, that's, that's her. You know, she asked, she asked questions. I used to go, I traveled an awful lot as a consultant and I would come back and I'd say, Hey, I met a new person, a new friend on the airplane. And, and uh, I, you know, I would always try to ask what I thought was the Sarah question. <laughs> and I, I'd ask about their family and this and that, and you know, all kinds of things. I come back and I say, I met a new friend and I describe who it was. And then she would say, well, what about this? <laughs> it would be the one question that I hadn't, hadn't asked. So, you know, so that's part of that culture. There's another part of the culture of being a New Yorker um, 
and and growing up in a in a neighborhood of you know of um first generation italian americans also who are very passionate um and and part of what she learned was what you know we affectionately call sport fighting um they have debates at dinner time they have they have lively debates debates and and sometimes pretty volatile debates and yet you know when the when the conversation's over they'll sit down and have dinner and or dessert or whatever and enjoy each other's company and they still love each other and that was totally foreign to me i grew up in a very stoic germanic household and and so when we got upset or when we got you know positioned about something in an argument we were told to go to your room cool down and come back out when you can talk rationally so again when we first got together you know, we we got into an argument about something, and I said, "I I need I need to leave and and just cool my head down and and come back when I can talk." And Sarah just grabbed me by the shirt collar and said, "Oh no, you don't! You're staying right here, and we're discussing this until we resolve it." I had no idea how to do that. I had no idea that you could still be in love with somebody on the other side of an argument. I thought, you know, like arguments were the end of things. And 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 yet it's really the beginning of the next level. So each time we had an argument and resolved it, we peeled away another layer between us and we got closer um, to each other. And so, you know, after years and years and years of training, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm pleased to say that I can actually be in an argument. We don't have any arguments anymore. I think we've done all the ones that we, that are on the list and, and, um, and taken care of those. But the point is that, that I, I don't avoid that, you know, that tension anymore. And because I don't avoid it, I don't resist it. It doesn't persist. It doesn't linger. It doesn't fester and mold somewhere in the, in the back resources of either of our minds. And so we're able to do that. Again, emotional intelligence is the ability to relate to another person from where they're, they're coming um, from, you know, and, and be able to relate your own experience from, you know, from where you're coming from. So it's meeting people at the same level. Now, a lot of times we talk about emotional intelligence as, as, you know, having four parts, self-awareness, self-mastery, other awareness, and other management. And I don't think that's the way we should describe it. It's really you know, understanding how to respond to. So when I understand myself, how do I respond to my own emotions? When I understand and listen deeply to the other person, how do I respond effectively, you know, to that person? Is it time to shut up and listen? Is it time to really ask better questions? You know, is it time to reflect, you know, what I'm hearing and be able to be engaged with that person where they're coming from at the level that their experience is, not my experience. So emotional intelligence in relationship really takes us to a whole deeper level of being able to work with each other. Um, and, and when we do that, it allows us then to know how to move closer, assimilate into their world, into their culture, change the way we live. Um, you know, us individuals, we, uh, so that we can be closer with our, our, you know, special person, uh, partner, uh, you know, whatever you, whatever you term of endearment you have for your significant other. We want to learn their world. 
when to learn their experience, their lived experience. And if it's different, radically different from ours, we want to be able to take that on. You know, like my friend who's, who learned how to become a Brazilian and, and be actually acknowledged by other people from that country as one of them. Um, you know, it's, it's not an easy task, but it is something that, you know, is born in emotional intelligence and something that we often overlook when we get in relationship. You know, the thing that pulls us together in, in relationship is the desire to be in the company of that other person. You know, we start with an infatuation with them. And want to be with them. And what we do is we will do cartwheels to, you know, to try to please that other person. So we try to do everything for them, uh, in, in response to them and, and in a way that endears us to that other person. But once that infatuation has gotten us to the place where we have a relationship and we, you know, now solidify that relationship or, or mark it as, as, you know, set off from others by, you know, either monogamy or commitment or marriage or whatever, uh, that we define as our relationship boundaries and, and, and dynamics. Once we're there, that work doesn't stop. What we still get to do is find out more about that person, find out more about where they're coming from, learn more about their history. You know, you will uncover things after 30 years of marriage with a person that you hadn't learned yet. It's still, there's still so much of that life that I don't know, that I yearn to to know and want to find out about that's what emotional intelligence can provide for us is that drive to understand and respond effectively to that person. Responding effectively does not mean on my terms. Responding effectively means, as Tommy taught me way back when, is learning their lived experience so that I can understand whether that, whatever those words are that are coming out of their mouth, what's the backdrop to that? And what source is inside of that that caused them to say what they say and, and think what they think and see it from not my perspective of what they're saying to me, but from inside their perspective from what it is that they're trying to communicate. You know, what I communicate when I sit down to do one of these talks, there are a thousand thoughts that are going on in my head. But what comes out of my mouth is just a string of words that is probably a loose approximation of what's going on in my head because there are thousands of things and only one thing or one thought comes out at a time in a serial progression. So that's the same thing that's going on in your partner. You know, they're having all these things that go on in their head. That backdrop is is a lifetime of their own experience filtered through their own perceptions um, and their their own background so that when they're saying something, what is the loose approximation that comes out as a string of words is really only a part of what's going on inside their head. Emotional intelligence allows us to listen to that and ask more questions about what's going on in here, you know, so that we can really understand what our partner is saying. 
So I just wanted to take a little bit of time today to do that and, you know, talk about emotional intelligence, uh, put in a shameless plug for my, for my book that's coming out, um, in just a few weeks. It's called Learning to Feel. Um, it is a, whoa. How do I do that? Um, it's available on Amazon.com, uh, BarnesandNoble.com, and uh, will be out on the on the stands um, shortly on August the fifteenth. So look for that, and if you'd like to get a signed copy, send me an email at kwgcoach.com uh, at gmail.com. Sorry, kwgcoach. Those are my initials in the word coach at gmail.com, and I'd be happy to send you a copy. So that's it for today. Thank you for coming to Dream, Declare, Deliver. Stay emotionally intelligent. Mm-hmm.